Greetings, little one. Are you a good witch or a bad witch? Bad witch! I'm not a witch, I'm your wife! What makes you think she's a witch? Well, she turned me into a newt! A newt. What's thou like to live deliciously? Got better. Dost thou comprehend? Welcome to Real Magic, the podcast at the crossroads of real witchcraft and Hollywood magic, where paganism and the supernatural meet their reflections in movies and television, and where we talk about what real magical or life lessons we can learn from fictional witches from 100 years of movie pictures. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. Hey there, witches and weirdos, and welcome to another episode of Real Magic. I'm your host, Jessica Mason, and today we're talking holidays. Now, we had something else planned for this episode today, but life got in the way, and so we're doing kind of a special episode where we're not talking about a specific movie or show or piece of pop culture, but we're talking about how do you pagan at the holidays? How do we find witchiness in all of the Hallmark Christmas movies or um, Christmas music, like, how do we do it? We're going to talk about, you know, pagan Christmas and all that sort of fun stuff. Today, my guest is a returning guest. It's Ashley Nicole Hunter, the editor of Evoke magazine, and she's graciously agreed to appear and discuss the mystery of what do witches do at Christmas. So without further ado, let's go. Leave me alone. I know this one. Everybody knows this one. Let's go now. Yeah, does everybody know this one? Ashley Nicole Hunter, welcome back to Real Magic. Thank you for being here today and happy holidays. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to be back. Yeah, it's um See, we got about a week until Christmas Eve. And so, yeah, I decided to, you know, talk about Christmas witchiness because, like, you know, it's easy to, you know, talk about witchy media and pagan things at like Halloween because it's like basically it's all us. Yes. But, you know, I kept thinking, like, what is like the witchiest or most pagan Christmas movie? And I couldn't think of one. So, we're going to try and solve that mystery today. I have seen some solid arguments on Twitter lately for what it okay. could be. Yeah, so let's just, just jump in. What do you what what have you heard about like what are the witchiest pagan or pagan Christmas movies? Because we'll get into like how Christmas is kind of super pagan. Um. So Sarah Ann Lawless made a really good argument for Legend with Tom Cruise oh, being I saw that. the best <laughs> it's a Christmas uh, movie. Best pagan right, because it's all essentially about the triumph of light over darkness literally the triumph of light over darkness you've got uh elves you've got snow you've got tim curry and i don't know why tim curry should be more christmas than yeah he's inherently christmassy i think he just got that great voice and he was in home alone too so he's christmas adjacent and because he looks very nice in a pair of horns we'll claim him as ours he's very krampusy maybe Mm -hmm. oh um yeah, it is. That's a good thing because I think legend is definitely metaphorical. You know, the light is taken by the darkness and then returned by Tom Cruise not wearing pants. I mean, <laughs> who needs Santa when you have Tom Cruise with no pants? 
You certainly don't. You even have rhyming goblins. And I don't know why oh. that should feel like Christmas either, but but it does. The I rhymes love, help. I, I, I love legend and all its ridiculous, messy glory. It is such a weird movie. It's so fun and just, you know, really Scott, really, he like he swings for the fences. I give him that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes sometimes it misses. Anything with unicorns in it, I'm going to love it. And for some odd reason, unicorns getting their horns hacked off does it for me too. Yeah. So I'll my take da- it. My daughter loves that movie because people jump into the water. That's her favorite <gasps> yes. thing in any. There's a great Tom. I don't know if it's Tom Cruise or his diving double, but there is a really great dive into the, the water and then he comes up and it's ice. I mean, that's great. It is. I love it so much. Well, I like that argument. I, my like pick for most you know, witchy or spooky or pagan, I guess these are all different things, but the most, you know, magical Christmas movie, I think maybe um, a Christmas Carol in all its various forms. I will especially agree with that with the Muppet Christmas Carol. Of course, the greatest version of a Christmas Carol. Yes. Like we have to acknowledge that that is the best version of a Christmas Carol. Make sure that your children watch and read the classics as they grow up, including the Muppet Christmas Carol. Yes. Yeah, because like it's really it's got ghosts, a lot of ghosts. It's very, you know, and it's um Scrooge is being literally visited by like spirit guides to take him on like this, you know, journey through his own personal mm-hmm. underworld and kind of come out better on the other end. I mean, that's pretty metaphysical. I think with with pagans, especially, whenever uh, a pagan in whatever branch of their faith has done wrong, they don't get to just say, oops, my bad, sorry, and all is forgiven. They have to undergo a quest. Yeah. So like Scrooge, they have to undergo this spiritual quest. And Scrooge has been a big old bag of, I don't know how much you can blank out, we but can, he's we, been we a can, bag of something. Big old bag of dicks. We can yes. quote, the, quote uh, the Archangel Gabriel there. So Yeah, to, to quote him. Uh, but he's been a big old bag of dicks. And he can't just say, whoops, my bad. I'll do better eventually on my deathbed, maybe. Uh, he has to make amends. He has to change. He has to see the things that he's done wrong and agree to fix them. Otherwise, no matter what he says or does, he's going to be screwed. So he has Scrooged. to that change. Scrooge is screwed. Yes. And he, he gets up and he immediately strives to do better after his quest, which I think is a good hallmark of a successful quest. But yes, with the ghost, with the changes, it is definitely a pagan carol. It really is. And you know, the, especially like the ghost or the spirit of Christmas present, it's very much like he's, you know, a, you know an old Roman God, almost. He reminds yes. me of sort of like Dionysus or like the Christmas version of Dionysus or like the Holly King. Cause he's wearing, mm-hmm. you know, the Holly, which is something that was invented later, but like the idea of him as this like spirit of bounty and that kind of gets mm-hmm. older through the night. Like that's so pagan and magical and folkloric it's so great and the fact that it's ghosts at all coming to walk him through this it's not an angel going tut tut sir tut tut it's it's ghosts it's ghosts but they're like not they're you know they're basically you know minor gods or deities or spirit Mm -hmm. guides i mean fairy beings they're all they're all sorts of stuff you know marley really called in a pretty serious favor with some interesting beings to help his old friends <laughs> and i mean let's let's be honest christmas traditionally is just spooky season round two fight it is and like i think we sort of 
you know, nowadays the, um, there's a great song. It's like, there'll be tales of old glories and scary ghost stories of Christmas yes. long, long ago. And so like, we're talking about Christmas was actually this traditional time to tell ghost stories mm-hmm. and be very spooky because it is a spooky, dark time of year. And um, that's part of where Christmas Carol came from in like the 1840s, I think is mm-hmm. when it was written. Uh, and that was sort of, there's this great movie that I, another movie I'd recommend for people that's not as well known as a lot of other Christmas movies is The Man Who Invented Christmas. Um, and it's about Charles Dickens writing A Christmas Carol. And it's a really great depiction of like the writing process and how he's literally just like talking to people in his head, which is how I write very often. <laughs> um, and it's got Matthew from, you know, Downton Abbey, the beast from the, I'm now blanking on his name, but he was, you know, the beast in the terrible Emma Watson. <laughs> it, it was not the greatest CGI. I appreciated its attempt and how they fleshed out LeFou. Yes. Uh, but I liked Gay LeFou, but that movie was bad. <laughs> it, yes. Yes, it was. Um, I can get, talk in length about why that movie didn't work for me. But uh, Dan Stevens, gosh, that's his name. I keep wanting to call him Matthew because that's how I know him from Downton Abbey. But Dan Stevens, who's he's wonderful in that, in The Man Who Invented Christmas. So I recommend people see that. But yeah, Christmas is a spooky time and I can get into like the folklore. So much of the folklore of Christmas is like all this pagan like residue. It's, you know, it's not like we can't point to like saying like, oh, this is an old God or like, cause it's folklore, it's changed and it's still changing over years and years and years, but there's so much of it that is, it's about the solstice. It's about magic, you know, mm-hmm. and then like all the, the dark Santa, like, you know, the Krampus or Belsnickel or the Yule cat, like those are like scary. I love well, the scary. We make Santas. this big deal out of one day, but really we're still kind of celebrating Saturnalia and that we're doing this whole season. Yeah, we yeah. talk about like the 12 days of Christmas, but really that probably comes from like the long ass Saturnalia holiday that we had. Yeah. So well, like even in like Victorian times, they were celebrating this as like a liminal time, like not just uh not just Halloween time, but like this as being a good time because light and day going back, tipping the other way, ghosts breaking across the veil. Yeah, it's this very liminal time. It was a time like for our ancestors where literally there was not much else to do other than, you know, go inside, light your candles and get through those darkest nights all together and have a party because it was, it is a bleak time of year, you know, in the bleak midwinter, because the solstice used to be midwinter mm-hmm. back when so- the summer solstice was midsummer. And so it was this time. And I think that that is still why people are so obsessed with Christmas because, you know, despite our modern world it's still cold and miserable in December and you want to have lights on in the darkness even Mm -hmm. in the darkest time of year you know a few years ago my little one asked like well why do people put up Christmas lights and I told him like it's because it's the longest nights it's the darkest time of year and we put up lights to remind us of the light that it's coming back and to bring the light back and that's just our family version of why we put up Christmas lights and I think that that's pretty much what the impulse is. I think so. I mean, something similar is where we get the Christmas tree from, like the old Victorians and Queen Charlotte bringing in like yew branches and whatnot. 
And nowadays we don't so much want our pets chomping down on those because, you know, no one wants to clean up that vomit, but we have our like plastic Christmas trees. I mean, I live in the Pacific Northwest and so it's where like all the Christmas trees come from. So we always do a real tree. We have a fake tree too. We do, we have like eight Christmas trees, like small of various sizes throughout our house. Um, and I have so many Christmas gnomes now too. Just like, I don't know how gnomes became associated with Christmas in the last like 10 years, but I love it. And I've got a Christmas gnome collection. Um, but yeah, we always bring in the evergreen to just sort of like, yeah, you remind yourself of the life continuing even through the darkest. And um, this thing prompts me to talk about, have you ever seen or participated in the Christmas revels? No. What are okay. All right. So the Christmas revels was started in like the seventies in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And I've talked about this on the pod before, but Christmas revels were, are, they, they happen in cities all over the country and the world now, I think. They are a celebration of the winter solstice and the Christmas spirit and the Christmas season. And they take traditional songs and plays and poems and they sort of have like a story. And there's lots of different revels shows. Like I've been in the Celtic revels and I was in the Arthurian revels and I was in the um, Balkan revels. And so there's, you know, Victorian and Spanish and Renaissance, and they put together all these different shows and they always have a mummer's play. They always have Morris dancing, which is so weird and pagan and strange. They always have all these, like, they always sing the song, the Lord of the dance, which is a, like, you know, it's ostensibly about Christ being reborn on Easter, but it's also about like, you know, resurrection of the resurrection of the light. And so that's sort of, and it's a, got traditional Morris dancing there. And so it's all this stuff. It's, you know, layers, the way that Christianity layered upon so many of like the mystery traditions of the ancient world that we all get in Christmas. And it's this beautiful, mysterious thing. And it's really a wonderful show. So if no one's ever been to the Revels, go next year when it's safe. Pagans, step yeah. up. This is your homework. I don't want to reclaim Christmas. I want to reclaim 12 days of revels. Give it to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I really do think we should just go back to the 12 days. I mean, December basically is Christmas. Like the, all of December is Christmas for most of, for me personally. <laughs> um, but you know, the 12 days of Christmas or after Christmas, because it was the 12 days between Christ being born and Epiphany, which is January 6th or so. And so you, that's why I say like, ah, I have to take down my Christmas tree until January, January 6th. <laughs> I can legally keep it up until then. (laughs) Mine stays up until the cats knock it down and crap on it in glory. So, you know, somewhere between January 1st and and Valentine's Day, that's that's when mine comes down. Close enough. Yeah, but the Christmas Revels is beautiful Christmas tradition. Um, And I'll I'll just go ahead. I'm going to recite a poem from the Revels because we're just uh, sharing things. And it is a poem that... I read to my daughter every year at the solstice and uh, they read every performance of revels and it sort of always ends with this poem. It's called the shortest day it's by a writer named Susan Cooper. And it says, and it sort of tells the story of the solstice. So poem goes and I'll see if I can do this from memory. So the shortest day came and the year died and all down the centuries of the snow white world came people singing and dancing to drive the dark away. They lit fires and they lit candles in the winter trees. They hung their homes with evergreens. They burned beseeching fires all night long to keep the year alive. And when the new year's sunshine blazed awake, they shouted, reveling. Listen, 
all down the frosty ages, you can hear them. All the long echoes sing the same delight. They carol, feast, give thanks, dearly love their friends, and pray for peace. And so do we, here and now, this year and every year. Welcome Yule! And so that's, they I do that. I love that so much. I love it so much. And I have this beautiful, there's a beautiful picture book of it. And so like that is, you know, part of the Christmas revels, but that's the solstice. That's, you know, I think acknowledging the solstice and acknowledging the darkness of the year, you know, pe- people would make an argument that that's not pagan. That's just, you know, acknowledging the natural cycles of the earth. But what is, what is that if not paganism? That is pagan. That's, <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. You've grasped paganism. Good yeah. job, everyone. And that's why, you know, cultures all over the world have celebrations at this time of year when any culture where it gets freaking dark in December. Do you have a particular meal that you associate with the solstice with? You know, our main tra- Christmas, tra- our holiday tradition is usually just to have pizza on Christmas Eve. That's like yes. pizza and cookies, um, lots of round foods. Uh, but we don't really have any solstice meals, do you? So like you, we tend to do the day before. We'll have something fast food restauranty, uh, especially like earlier in the day because people tend to go home in the evening to get ready for family. So we'll grab burgers or we'll grab pizza and kind of rest up and just huddle up together and eat sweets till we get sick. Yeah, that's Because fun. the next day we consider like our big, okay, now we're cooking all day long feast day. And since we do turkey for Thanksgiving, we tend to do something like pork mm. or beef for okay. like Christmas. You love, love, I love a ham for Christmas because yes. you don't have to cook it. Um, you just sort of heat it up and it's good. And- we carry that on into like New Year's when like, so we live in the South, my family. And you so have black eyed peas in New Year's? Black eyed peas, you know, collard right. greens. We have like the ham bone that's put in with the, with the beans and stuff. And so then we'll have like another ham because you can never get enough pig in the South. Yeah. Uh, and I guess that kind of ties in with, uh, chthonic deities and the darkness and stuff and you'd have pig meat left over from like hog slaughtering time in the south and I'm I'm quite happy for it their turn there's a lot of ways to cook a pig and I explore them all oh we gotta have some some pork at Christmas like yeah we love my daughter loves turkey and so we'll sometimes do a turkey for Christmas too I've been threading my family for years that I want to cook a goose and no one will yes. let me try it <laughs> like, like you've never had a goose like it will be fun we'll have sides if it doesn't work out yes my husband's like that's a 75 dollar experiment right there i've seen the price uh, tags on those geese if that's still cheaper than we've done like prime rib and yes like prime rib is great for christmas because just like cooks for five hours but again mm-hmm. it's also like we like everyone paypal me 20 bucks to your share of the prime <laughs> rib uh, but yeah we've done prime rib and it's it's really really good but really not 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 a cheap option So I work in a bakery and I don't actually make the things myself because if I did, I'd have to pay people to take them away, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I'll do the office stuff. And I have seen a lot lately, uh, new like Christian traditions spring up trying to like revitalize things. And it's, it's amusing to me because a lot of times in the pagan community, we go, oh, well, that's not old enough. That's not an ancient venerable tradition. Like Christians are inventing new traditions all the time and just like, slapping meaning and symbolism on it. We can do it too. But they're they're peddling these Jesus cakes, Jesus's birthday. And it, oh dear. 
they will is explain it, isn't that the communion wafers and jesus cake <laughs> i think it's a southern baptist thing yeah. but they will take a plain like white cake uh that has like the chocolate cake on the inside the buttercream icing on the outside this is what the holly leaf symbolizes put 12 candles to symbolize this i'm like dare me to do the same with a pagan cookbook watch and see if i don't i will i will tell you the pagan meaning of every inch of that pineapple encrusted maraschino cherry ham with dr pepper poured over it here we go i'll i'll pagan the fuck out of it i love like i i love the look i've never had one but i love yule log cakes and again that's a pay that's all yes. from like the yule log is like again you're bringing in the fire to burn through the long nights like that is you know pagan and magical and chthonic as you said like and i want and then you make it into a cake yes can't get wrong you know just make everything into cake and then you put too many candles on it and you set off the fire alarms but it's okay because that's all part of christmas that's to get the fire alarm is part have you ever had um like a real christmas pudding or from like england like one of those so like soaked in in booze for a month or whatever i made one because i like to watch british cooking shows on youtube too much uh, there's one called Sorted that I'm addicted to, mm. and they'll make versions of things like that. They have chefs and normals competing to see who can make the better one. And I have I've determined from careful study that the winner is the one who adds the most liquor to it. Yeah, that seems to be a theme on a lot of baking shows. And I agree. I, like, I, I add liquor to all my baking. So I like to think that that's what we inherited in the South. Add liquor to everything. Lots of it. The more, the merrier. Uh, but I've made some puddings before, and they turned out pretty good. Yeah, they're they're interesting. Like I've had a few. Um, they're not, you know, my favorite. Here's, you know, my Christmas hack for anyone listening who wants to make something easy on Christmas Day. Here, like this is a, this is one of our Christmas food traditions. Or is um my stepmother would get me like this panettone, which again is like it's another one of those things like preserved fruit and it's an acquired taste panettone, but it's this eggy bread. And so I figured, okay, I know what to do with this. I let it dry out. And then I just soak it in eggnog, which is already a custard. I soak it overnight in a baking dish with eggnog and you've got like instant bread pudding. We just cook it in the oven for like an hour in the morning. You have panettone eggnog bread pudding for breakfast. And it's, it's really good. And it's like, and it's really like two steps because all the flavors are already in there from all the stuff. Could you cheat and use like a boozy eggnog? Oh, pro- oh, yes, definitely. <gasps> or you can just throw some bourbon in there because everything's better with bourbon. Higgins, this is your homework part two. Yeah. Take and the I- bourbon scotch and rye. Pour them over the panettone. And some of all the bourbon always ends up on like my ancestor altars or my regular altars because all the spirits were like, no, no, us too. <laughs> Let's talk about how Christmas has like, it's a tradition of making offerings to a generous spirit like santa i believe santa is absolutely a real divine spiritual being who you know because he's i mean he gets a lot of offerings he gets a lot of prayers he gets a lot of attention and energy and like we're make we're you're making an offering to the spirit of christmas if he wasn't a spirit before i argue he's a spirit now yeah you put any belief in the thought forms yeah, absolutely. I, I, think, I think probably too, it reminds me a lot of like the old, like house self beliefs, mm-hmm. uh, putting out the offerings for them, the sweets and yeah, the, the milk, cream, especially milk, for yeah. the, for the fae. Uh, 
less so out in the field where they would stay away from your home and more so just in the house beckoning them in why not well i mean a santa like i've seen santa included in books about the good folk and the fairy folk i've you know and he santa has a whole you know army of elves so there's a great little a new little netflix movie called a boy named christmas about how santa is like santa or nicholas as a kid you know found this colony of elves and sort of helped them and you know brought christmas back to the world and it was very funny because it took place in this like 16th 17th 18th century like denmark or sweden or something some north some scandinavianish country and it's like okay so you're this is a world where christianity didn't happen and christmas <laughs> is completely you know there was no mention of god or christ or anything in this movie i'm like okay cool <laughs> You know? I much prefer the idea of inviting a fat, jolly elf like Santa into the house versus a skinny one that's going to sit on the shelf and judge you. Yeah. I don't know what you would offer elf on the shelf to get him to jolly up, but... That's where you I, put some of the booze sacrifices. Some of the booze, that's right. <laughs> I've seen some really funny things people do with their elf on the shelf. It's, it's quite, quite fun. But yeah, so Christmas is all about inviting the good folk into your house and interacting with them and leaving them some presents and you know you don't want to get coal in your stockings and mm-hmm. I love also so much of the folklore of the new year and of Christmas and that sort of thing so much of it is like about cleaning your damn house yeah. and <laughs> like there's this great one I want people to look up this image on Google it's called the Schnabelperkten and the Perkten were like these Germanic uh, Christmas spirits. They were kind of like Krampus or um, Bell's Nickel. They're sort of the scary, the anti-claws, as Sam Winchester <gasps> called them. And they would, you know, come in and if your house wasn't clean, the Schnabelpectin will cut open your stomach with giant scissors <gasps> and fill it with dirt. <laughs> and there are these terrifying <gasps> things. They look like um, Gina Davis in and Beetlejuice when she pulls her face to look like this crocodile thing like that's what they look at and they're in like little kerchiefs and they go around this village in Austria like quacking at people with giant scissors they're terrifying but it's basically like some you know someone made up this story hundreds of years ago to get their kid to clean their room like if you do not clean your room there is an elf coming that will cut you open <laughs> giant scissors <laughs> And I think there's like a whole genre of folklore. It's like clean your room folklore. And it's very popular at the new year. Oh my goodness. I much prefer the skeletal horse that just comes around and, and asks yes. for booze and treats. Thank yeah, you. Let's talk, let's talk about the Marilude because she's amazing. Like, can you talk about this wonderful Christmas spirit? You so, know, I am less familiar with this, but this has actually just popped up on my radar. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, and mostly because I have seen images of them running down small children in like Wales and Scotland and then being yeah. consumed under the sheets of this horse, yeah. uh, which seems both terrifying and fantastic. Uh, so I'm not sure what all it's about. I'm not <laughs> sure where they get the skull every year for the horse. Yeah. So the, the Marilude is like, and I might be pronounced, I'm sorry to Wales. Your language is beautiful when people who aren't me speak it um 
but the marlute is this welsh tradition mainly and it is a horse skull with like a sheet around it and ribbons and flowers in her hair and she go and they take it door to door and ask to come in and tells like oh the winter is so cold and let me in and give me beer and it's it's very tied in and similar to like mumming which we talked about and mumming was people or wassailing same thing like you going house to house or like caroling singing and telling stories and asking for your bounty to be shared and there's all these symbolic plays and stories and dances that have all this weird symbolism and folklore and that no one really like a lot of people like they try and find where did this come from what started this where is the symbolism in the morris dancing or the marlewood fun and it was like we have just been doing it for a few hundred years and that's again like the way folklore itself taps into those old old powers and beliefs it's it's that whole uh bit about the ghosts and the <laughs> the liminal time the ghosts yeah. coming back and you're also having to be charitable because it's the middle of winter and yeah. so you have to be hospitable to people whether they're ghosts or fae folk now is the time to be hospitable and yeah. take offense before the new year Just, you know um, they, there's so much folklore about like if if some mysterious thing comes, especially during a dark time of year, and asks to share your fire or share your resources, you let them in. <laughs> yes, it's cold. If you're cold, they're cold. Bring them inside. <laughs> Speaking of Beauty and the Beast, like let that enchantress in. See yes. what happens when you don't let your, your all your friends are going to end up as cutlery. Well, yeah. it's neat because in a lot of cultures, um, this this hospitable nature has carried over, especially in the winter months. Like I think it is in Poland, one of their Christmas traditions is similar to how modern pagans celebrate Hecate's night. They'll put out an extra place setting at the Mm -hmm. table in case anyone stops by and is hungry. It's cold. You let them in. They're hungry. It doesn't matter whether you know them or not. And they will also put a little bit of money under some of the plates and bowls so that you go into the new year not broke. No matter how little money it is, you're going into the new year with a little bit of wealth. And I like that little bit of sympathetic magic as well. I love that. And so many of these traditions also remind me of a lot of the traditions around Lunar New Year, which is a few months down the road. It is like the second new moon after the winter solstice. If anyone was wondering how Lunar New Year is calculated, that's how. Um, And there is a tradition in in Chinese Lunar New Year. You have to have your whole house clean, clean your house because you want to go into the new year with a clean house and a clean slate. Um, and again, I think this was like very smart parents. Like we got to clean it, but like, you know, my fam, my wife's family is Chinese. And so we have, we do a lot of lunar new year stuff. And it's like, you have to take a shower, you have to be clean. And then you have to bring whoever you go to celebrate new year's, you have to bring fruit because you have to bring bounty to the house where it's being celebrated, but you cannot bring four fruits because four is the number of death. So you have to bring like three or five pieces of fruit. (laughs) But when you, then when you leave, they give other fruit and food back to you. And it would usually have the lychee, the lucky money, like a little bit of lucky money in it. And that's, you know, lucky money is giving blessings and good wishes for the new year. And you get money. So that's awesome. (laughs) That is fantastic. I like it. I like how much of these things get brought over, especially to the U.S., and mixed and mingled and garbled and we're not quite sure where it came from but we sure are happy to celebrate especially you pagans know, what yep. holiday is it we'll celebrate here we go because celebrating a holiday is, is it's performing a ritual mm-hmm. it's doing magic 
you are doing the same thing as your ancestors did, same thing as you yourself did a year ago, and you're tapping into that energy of everyone else doing the same thing. And so whether it's a new ritual or an old one, you're tapping into that magic when you're celebrating with other people. Is there a particular tradition that you wish would come back or that we get started in the pagan community? And if you say anything about slitting open stomachs, I'll cry. No, no. <laughs> no, I mean, I love like the mumming and all like the performances. I wish, you know, I wish that we had access to more like pagan Christmas carols. Cause one of the things I love about Christmas and loved about the revels is the music. Mm-hmm. And again, talking about how Christmas is this time where we connect with our ancestors in the past in this liminal time. Christmas for me, I'm a music major is what I did in college. And so like, it's one of the only times, it is the only time of year that people listen to music from like the 19th century, from the 12th century. Like it is some of the oldest music you ever hear is Christmas carols. And it's the only time of year where people like interact and sing these very, very old songs compared to, you know, Miley Cyrus or Lizzo or whatever. <laughs> there, there is a culture. It, it has to be one of the, the Northern cultures because I remember seeing the great big furry Krampus-esque creatures and they would go around the village or town or what have you. And they would be doing kind of like a mummer's dance, like kind of jumping around and dancing and playing the instruments. But they would bring like a little wagon with them and they would stop at each door and they would load it up. And then they would take it to like the home of somebody who really needed it or to like a homeless shelter or something. I'd really like to see Pagan start doing that. We we don't have a lot. I don't think that we have a lot yet in our particular modern Pagan culture of like giving. And I would like to see Mm -hmm. more of that happen. I like how like Pagan prides, you know, usually around the fall equinox or have become like Mm -hmm. food drives for local food banks. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it is it's also, it's a season of giving and it is, you know, giving gifts is also about like sharing your bounty and sharing wealth and sharing everything and bringing that spirit into the new year. So yeah, the spirit of giving though, you know, as the Grinch learned, Christmas doesn't come from the store. Christmas could mean something more. Like having your stomach filled with odds. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think it's like talking about like scary Christmas again, I have to shout out in terms of like good pagan Christmas content, I have to talk about my favorite episode. It's one of my favorite episodes of Supernatural because I have 40 of them. <laughs> but they, they're Supernatural Christmas, a very Supernatural Christmas from season three, episode uh, eight. Is this, have you seen that episode? Do you know what I'm talking? I've probably, I've seen each of them. Um, oh, it's very sad that the whole show ended after Crowley passed. So <laughs> uh, shout out to what could have been a great show going on for a few more years, but you know. Um, so, so Sam and Dean end up kind of tangling with these pagan gods who have basically, uh, you know, assimilated and they're very Christmassy, but like they go to people's houses and they like pull people through the, uh, chimney and like eat them. But like they, <sighs> like, but it's these very, like the, the characters are really funny because they're these, these very chipper, like late middle-aged people who say, you know, this woman's like, when I feel angry, I say fudge. <laughs> He's like, how fudging killed you. <laughs> it's a wonderful episode. It's really funny because it's like, it's so supernatural because it's very funny, but it's like really dark. <laughs> you look at it too carefully. And it's- I love the know, dark stories though. It's, and like, there's a whole, Sam goes into this whole thing, but like the, you know, they, at first they think they're fighting evil Santa 
And of course, Bobby tells them they're idiots, but you know, <laughs> but yeah, um, it's a great episode. We watch, I watch it every year to kind of get in the spirit. It's such a fun, fun episode. Uh, but yeah, they, I love that they acknowledge it. Like, yeah, everything about Christmas is pagan. Yes. <laughs> Christmas trees are pagan. The date there's is a, pagan. There's a neat part of, uh, I don't know, most people at this point have probably read American Gods. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this neat part where around like the winter Christmas season, uh, they have this whole ritual in this town that's always known, strangely enough, a lot of prosperity, even during like the Depression, where they would take a car and they would put it out on a frozen lake and you would buy raffle tickets as to how long it would take for the car to break through the ice and sink. And they had no idea they were making offerings to this one pagan god who'd come across the land bridge because people would turn up missing and they'd be in the trunk of the car. And- yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a sort of this, you know, Supernatural was very inspired by American gods. And these are these gods who are, you know, people bought the wrong wreath with <gasps> with meadow sweet on it. They'd be sacrificed. What what must needs be, must needs be, I guess. Um, yeah, Sam Winchester talking about how, how pagan vervain and mint is. I'm like, really? Okay, cool. <laughs> They're plants, but okay. All plants are our plants. All, pl- all, plants. All, all plants are pagan, let's be clear. <laughs> yes. So do you have a favorite Christmas movie just in general, like you've or top three? Like so much. I th- I find like people find it odd, I think. So they're like, well, aren't you pagan? Why are you so into Christmas? I'm like, because most of most Christmas stuff is very Jesus free. Like there's it is. Yeah. Like uh a lot of Christianity, strangely enough, is very Jesus-free. It doesn't worry so much about what Jesus said to do. They, they're mostly concerned with the fact he died. How lovely for us. Yeah. Now let's get on with like what, what we want. Uh, yeah. But I would say my favorite Christmas movie, not particularly pagan, but I like how it enforces the moral that children are violent, would be Home Alone. Children, children are monsters. Children are monsters. Uh, they will toy with you before they kill you like a mm-hmm. cat. Uh, Kevin was a sadist and those two poor burglars would have died like half a million times yeah. over. They, were, they weren't they were doing oh. home invasions with people there. Those people were rich. They probably had insurance. They were just breaking, maybe trying to support their families. And one sadistic little child <laughs> who managed to stay at home just tortured them for just, hours and hours. Home Alone is a horror movie. Like it's, you know, the people who watched Home Alone as a kid like saw as an adult. I mean, I liked it. And Home Alone actually has one of like, the few Christmas movies where like, he goes to church and they talk mm-hmm. about, you know, the nativity and stuff. Like a lot of Christmas movies, like I love the Santa Claus. I love Elf and there's no, no, no church there. Yes. Um, my favorite Christmas movies is White Christmas. And which literally has nothing to do with Jesus and nothing to do with Christmas either. Like the, just the song, like White Christmas is zero <laughs> relationship to Christmas except the song. I like Prancer, which, which had like a, a family who were poor and grew up like tending to an apple orchard uh, and mostly just took care of a reindeer, which was lovely. I, I was all about that, especially because I grew up uh, with just my dad raising me and my sister. Oh. So that touched my heart there. But yeah, the, the more violent the Christmas movie was, I think, the more I liked it. I especially liked American Horror Stories. Uh, like the asylum season where they dipped over to Christmas. Uh, It is bleak. It is dark. 
It is a scathing commentary on our prison system. Oh, dear. Uh, but it is good times. Good times. Unless, you know, you were the one in the asylum dealing with the crazy uh, man who just wanted to uh, eat your face. I have not seen much American Horror Story. Eventually, I'll do the, the Coven season on this podcast. I just haven't gotten to it yet. Uh-huh. It was lovely. The fashion was... Mm, yes, it was almost... It was a perfect comedy horror blend, really. Yeah. I do like the, the humor they kind of can bring into those. See, uh, we, we already mentioned, you know, The Grinch, but I I actually love the latest Grinch movie, the Wolf Benedict Cumberbatch, like the computer <gasps> animated one. I think it's I've great. not seen it. It's surprisingly wonderful. Like they really did update, you know, they paid homage to the original book and the original animated movie the and not the horrible live action one that I don't acknowledge but it's it's really fun and it's beautifully animated it's very Susian and very fun and um it's got a screaming goat which I just anything with screaming goat I'm a fan of so I recommend that one as we mentioned the Muppet Christmas Carol is perfection just everything about that movie is so good I've watched some great YouTube videos like Abby Cox did one about the costuming in that movie. It's one of the best, most accurate costumings of any movie set in that era. Like they you love us a good stitch. Like, and like Gonzo's like his, even down to like Rizzo, like a rat <laughs> is wearing perfectly era appropriate costuming. It's so it good. Fabulous. And that movie works because Michael Caine is playing it like it's Hamlet. He is playing it as seriously and perfectly as if it were, you know, the Royal Shakespeare Company. He is great in that role. And it makes the whole movie work around him. There's lots of good Christmas movies. There's rooms, there's room for more. Would still love to see a movie with a skeletal horse that comes door to door and demands sacrifice from you, but yeah. I'd love to see like we haven't talked about some of our the other, you know. Santa-ish figures. One of my favorite is La Befana from Italy, who is like the Christmas witch. She's like, she rides on a broom. She's an old lady. She sweeps up houses and she arrives at Epiphany and she like leaves stuff in people's shoes and leaves gifts. And so she's sort of the Italian precursor to Santa and she you know, carries a big sack of presents and she like people call her the Christmas witch. I'm like, I love her. I did not understand when I was younger that she was not Strekonona from the books. I, so yeah. I was convinced that Strekonona was so popular. She had her own holiday and I was that there sounds, for it. That sounds fair because Strekonona is also great. Perfect. Yes. In my head, they just mixed together and I was perfectly happy with that as a child. Uh, still never got behind the whole leaving my shoes out because where I grew up, that meant that when your hamsters inevitably got loose around the holidays, they would leave presents for you in your shoes and they would oh. not be the fun kind. They'd be the kind of squished between your toes. Oh no. So, yeah. Uh, we put our stuff up high. Yeah. Like the, the traditions about, you know, cause people would leave their shoes out or their stockings by the fire, the Tompta in Scandinavia, like they would, you know, they were Christmas elven creatures that would leave treats in your shoes. And I mean, it's just, these found these traditions all over the world and there are these great folkloric you know oh things it's one of like you're interacting with the fairies you're that's christmas is literally magic and i love it 
Time to repurpose our Halloween witches hats and like flip them upside down and hang those up for treats. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be, the kids could definitely get, my child definitely gets enough candy at Halloween. There is no such thing. Every bit of candy builds character. It's true. Though I was really disappointed this year. She got, she, and by she, I mean me, because I'm the one who eats them. Uh, but she only got one Butterfinger. <laughs> and Halloween is the only time of the year that like I will eat Butterfinger because I won't like buy it for myself. So that seems too indulgent. But if I, she gets it in her Halloween bag, she doesn't like them. So I always eat all the Butterfingers. But she only got one, like a mini, mini Butterfinger. I was so, so disappointed in my neighborhood. Come on, COVID guys. definitely cut down on a lot of the celebrating. Like we didn't get to do the Halloween thing. Uh, probably not going to see so many carolers this year. I do you know, love a good carol. I love carols. And I think that we're going to just wander around our neighborhood singing this year because no one's ever caroled in our neighborhood. And I think we need to change that. And mm-hmm. my daughter has, because um, I, 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 I haven't quite explained to her like why it's 12 days of Christmas because it's after Christmas. She's like, no, it should be 25 because Christmas is on the 25th. So let's make <laughs> up 13 more verses. And so we're on today as the 16th today we did our 16 days of christmas on the car and she's written a whole like all these extra verses it's like 13 trees glowing and 15 turkeys gobbling and like it's it's gotten pretty intense and so i think that you need to post this to like the show notes so that everybody can follow along i'll post her know about the 25 days i'll I'll tweet her 25 days of christmas because you know we're we we had to write down like i remember all this and you know, what a weird song. Uh, speaking of weird Christmas music, I love the 12 days of Christmas. So like, why are you giving somebody people for Christmas? <laughs> why are you giving her the maids of milking? Like, is it a metaphor? Is it like, what? what's going on there? Rich people are strange people and we won't know their ways. Like the only decent gift there was like some rings. But like, you know, maybe some hens, you can make some chicken soup. But like, why? Give me... 10 lords leaping? I don't have room for these guys in my house. Nope. They could leap right on out of here. Imagine yeah. trying to feed 10 lords. Uh, well, no. that's, where, that's where all the geese come in. Uh, yeah. Now, do you have a favorite Christmas song? Because like, I love Christmas music, even though, even if it's about Jesus, I love Christmas music. <laughs> I I am very fond of Silent Night. It's a beautiful song. It beautiful is very song. pretty. Um, I also love the little bit that I know about dashing through the snow. Uh, mm-hmm. No one wants to entrust me with the horses, dogs, or goats. I would need to have an open sleigh. But I think we should bring those back. Hook up your mm-hmm. toboggans. Put some wheels on the bottom of it. Go dashing mm-hmm. through the, the southern streets. We'll pretend there's snow. Yeah. It's yeah. pollen, but we'll pretend. Um, I love like all the old, like medieval ones. Like I love, Oh, come, Oh, come Emmanuel and the Coventry care, like all the carols that were very specific to specific like towns and and provinces in England, like the Wexford carol or the Coventry Mm -hmm. carol or the Stockford carol or the Sussex carol, like all of them, those those are all very popular in the revels. I love those. And anything in like a minor key, like we three Kings and oh, we three Kings. Yes. Carol Carol of the bells. Um, do you have a Christmas, any Christmas carols that you just hate? Cause I hate, do you hear what I hear? <laughs> That's the one I'll just like turn off the radio. What is the one that got turned into ding fries are done? Oh. Have you seen, have you seen the one, the, to the Google. 
Okay. The Google will explain everything. My wife's least favorite is that I want a hippopotamus for Christmas, which is horrible. I don't understand that one. It's awful. I taught it to my child to, to, to torture my wife. Um, so I'm not sure what it's based off of, but there was this thing that became popular when I was young and it was like, ding, fries are done. Ding, fries are done. I work at Burger King making flamboyant rolled whoppers. I wear paper hats. Would you like an apple pie with that? Have you ever heard that? No. Just me? Okay. All right. So that's going to be another thing that's going to get posted later, but uh, here are some lyrics I'm sharing just with you. Oh my goodness. It it was a whole thing um, that and I think the Joker singing about Batman and Robin, mm-hmm. uh, that was also a big thing, but I heard them so often starting from the time I was like 10 years old. Oh yeah. That I just, it got run into the ground for me. Yeah. How about you? Uh, I mean, like, I always ha- also hated the grandma got run over by reindeer. That one's terrible. Um, but I mean, I'm like one of those people that starts listening to Christmas music at like as soon as Halloween's over, like, and the Christmas music begins. Uh, so like, uh, I mean, I love um, "Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas" is one of my favorites, mm-hmm. and I think it's like that one's always such a perfect song because it really does like encompass that kind of melancholy feeling of Christmas too. Like the fact that it is so bright and wonderful, but it's also in this dark time and it is a way of the darkness getting us. It's the the light of the solstice and the light that we share with each other, getting us through these really dark times and like, Oh my God, we've needed that in the last few years. And I mean, as long as it's not Mariah Carey singing yeah, again, then I'm okay. Judy Garland singing Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas and Meet Me in St. Louis is one of the best things ever. But there's also there's a great version by Jensen Ackles, my my good supernatural <gasps> friend. He's done a version that came acoustic with guitar. It is like the sexiest Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas that ever existed. I haven't heard that. Sounds like he's leaning quite well into that whole cowboy thing. And I'm oh, yeah. It. Yeah, it's 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 pretty great. So I love a song I love, you know, Nat King Cole. Like I just, again, I just love that we listen to old music at Christmas because I barely listen to music from the 20th century, let alone the 21st. I do like it. And the jazz that that will play on like the oh. ASMR and like ambiance channels with like the snow yeah. falling in the background. I'm here for all that. Oh, you don't really hear the carols so much anymore. It's like we almost have decided that you can't sing unless you're a professional and will play these Christmas songs, but nobody wants to sing it anymore unless you're like in music class in elementary school where it's mandatory. <laughs> I'll I'll stick a Christmas carol at the end of this episode and say drinking some water. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just I love Christmas, and I think that if you are a pagan or a witch and you want to celebrate the holiday season, however you celebrate it, that I think that is not only acceptable for pagans, but it is a witchy thing to do because we are engaging in this magic and this ritual and tapping into all these all this magic that the magic, the magic of the holidays. It's a real thing and it can be a real thing. It's, it's lovely. I agree. So I'll let you go. So thank you so much for talking about all this stuff with me. I hope that, (laughs) you know, I'll, uh, we have to hope that you have a wonderful holiday season with your family and that someday soon we all will be together, you know, and lots of hugs and uh, you know you know 
happy holidays, merry solstice, blessed Yule. <laughs> and to you, ma'am, you and yours. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Real Magic. I hope you have a wonderful holiday season, however you celebrate. We'll see you back in two weeks. I think that will be New Year's Eve for another episode, though. If it's not up on New Year's Eve, <laughs> just, you know, give me a few days. It'll be up eventually. It's the holidays. To close things out, I just wanted to say thank you for listening for another year. And I said I'd do it. So here is a Christmas carol for you. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. May your heart be light next year. All our troubles will be out of sight. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Make the Yuletide gay Next year all the troubles will be miles away Here we are as in olden days Happy golden of your loving friends who are dear to us will be near to us once more someday soon we all will be together if the fates allow until then we'll have to muddle through somehow and have yourself a Happy holidays. See you next year.